Welcome to another podcast of Risen Fellowship. Glad you decided to join us and we've been studying through the minor prophets of the Old Testament, the last 12 books of the Old Testament, which I believe are some of the most overlooked parts of Scripture of anywhere in the Bible. I feel that way because it took me a long time to want to get into studying them. Now, when we refer to them as the minor prophets, they're not minor in being less significant than uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. No, it's that their ministries and their writings were briefer than the other, minis- uh, the other prophets, and so they're still important for us in the God's program of prophecy. The minor prophets were not just for the uh, Old Testament people. They're for everyone today. It's not just about the history of what took place, but it talks about to each one of us being able to repent of our sin, to be able to uh, work toward obedience, toward God's Word, and then also a promise for the future. Now, we've already studied Hosea. Hosea's ministry grew out of uh, personal heartbreak in his own family. Joel is the second one. Joel saw a national calamity. He saw a literal physical invasion of locusts, which was an immediate judgment that was going to come on the land of Israel, but it also uh, signified an ultimate judgment that would come upon the world during the day of the Lord. Amos, the third minor prophet, was a sheep herder, and he was from Judah, but God called him to leave Judah, the southern kingdom, and go to Israel and proclaim his word there. Obadiah was the fourth of the minor prophets, and he basically had two messages toward, to the twin brothers, uh, uh, Esau and Jacob. It was vengeance on Esau, and it was God's victory that was awaiting uh, for Jacob. Then comes probably the most known prophet, uh, minor prophet of all, and that's Jonah. The story is known probably throughout uh, the world, and it's not just a, a fairy tale or a fable. No, it's about a real person that lived and what God actually did in his life. And even though that story is very familiar, there are many truths as you dig deeper to be able to glean from reading that short uh, book called Jonah. And if you haven't uh, gone deeper in that, feel free to go back on our prior uh, podcast and be able to see that. Then comes Micah, whose main focus was the southern kingdom of Judah and the capital of Judah, which was Jerusalem. There was just seven chapters. There's three sermons. First sermon is judgment is coming. The second one, the deliverer is coming. And the third one is trust the Lord today. Don't wait for just some future uh, event to take place. Trust him today as you walk with him. Then Nahum was our next minor prophet and he proclaimed God's message to Nineveh. And it was about the destruction of Nineveh. Yet it was a message of hope for the land of Judah. And basically Nahum was trying to encourage Judah to realize that God was going to be with him in a very difficult time of trial. Now, if you remember, Jonah also uh, went to Nineveh and preached, and he preached the end was coming. They repented, but now, about 100 years later, when Nahum goes there, there's no more time. Uh, God's mercy has run out, and he's going to bring destruction upon Nineveh. And then Habakkuk is the eighth prophet. And we see in the first chapter where he, as a prophet, is wondering why God isn't acting on behalf of his people, Israel. And then as he was wondering about it, he began to wait upon the Lord, just like Isaiah said, those who wait upon the Lord, they'll gain new strength. And then we find him in the closing chapter. He's falling down on his face, worshiping before the Lord, realizing that God is in control. And then Zephaniah is the ninth prophet, the one we um, looked at last. And he was a prophet who warned people that even though they had this revival that was going on from the King Josiah, People had removed idols from their houses, but he was still telling them, you need to remove the idols from your heart to make true repentance come about. Today is our 10th of the Old Testament minor prophets, and his name is Haggai. 
Now, to be able to understand the three final minor prophets in the Old Testament, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, you need to know something about Israel's history. You see, a little more than 500 years before Christ came to earth, Ezra took back a small group of people of Israelites that had been exiled in Babylon, and they returned to Jerusalem to be able to rebuild the temple and the city. Now, like we experience today, a lot of times it's exciting to get something started new. But sometimes, as time moves on and months turn into years, and then opposition always comes about, the work stops. And that's exactly what happened uh, in this day of Haggai. The work had stopped. Literally, it took about 21 years for the temple to be rebuilt as Ezra took the people back during that first uh, wave of return. And there are four men that God really used responsible for bringing the completion of the temple. And that is Zerubbabel, the governor, and then Joshua, the high priest, and the two prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. Zechariah will be our next podcast. Now, Haggai's ministry was really just to awaken a people who had grown cold, a people who had grown lazy. And he was to awaken them to encourage them to finish God's temple. Now, most of his writings happened during the time that the work had stopped. And in his writings, we find four sermons, each one having a specific date and each one addressed a particular sin. The first sermon, according to the scripture, says it was September the 1st, uh, the year 520 B.C., 16 years since the laying of the foundation of the temple. And it was delivered to the two leaders of the nation, Zerubbabel, the civil leader, and Joshua, the high priest, the religious leader. And the theme of this first sermon was, put yourself ahead of the Lord. That's what was happening with their sin. They were putting themselves in front of the Lord. And the prophet's message was, people, you need to quit making excuses and you need to get to work and finish the house of the Lord. Their selfishness, you see, was displayed in the fact that they had been busy and they finished their houses while they left the house of the Lord unfinished. And that sin is still alive and well today in the U.S. of A. How easy it is for us to make excuses about not being involved in the work that God has given us to do. Oh, sometimes people get up and they say, oh, the weather's too bad to get out and go to church. But then later that same day, they may decide to go on a hunting trip or go to the malls and go shopping. The weather wasn't too bad for that. Some people think that, you know, it's a, it's a grand time to sit in a baseball stadium for a doubleheader baseball game and never complain about the hours upon hours of watching two baseball games. But let the church service go five minutes overtime of what's expected. And whoa, Nelly, we're going to have roasted preacher for lunch. Haggai's message was received by the people when he told them, you need to get up and get busy about the Lord's work. Real conviction came upon their heart and they responded the way God wanted to. They said, let's all get to work. And God's people rose up and put the Lord first in their lives. Now, the second message was on just the next month, October the 21st, again, 520 B.C., and this literally took place on the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacles. And that was a day that was supposed to be one of joy and of praise. But on this one, instead, it was a day of deep discouragement and complaining. Why? Because they were guilty of looking back instead of looking ahead. 
And that's in chapter 2. The older people begin to weep and weep out loud because they were lamenting uh, this new temple that was being built because they remembered the glory of Solomon's temple. And this new temple failed in comparison to lack the splendor of Solomon's temple. In God's work, though, we must always press on and look ahead in faith. You see, God promised the people at that time that the final temple that he had plans for would far exceed the glory of Solomon's temple. And in God's work, we can always rest assured by faith the best is yet to come. And the third message we see was on December the 24th, and things were still very difficult, and the people were so discouraged, and they were guilty this time of failing to confess their sins. That's chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. And since they were unclean, God had not blessed them or their work. You see, Haggai told them that they could not give their holiness or their health to someone else, but you can give somebody and someone else your sickness and your uncleanness. That's the way we find it with uh, sickness and illness today. If you have somebody that's sick, you can't give them their health. But if you're sick and go to somebody that is well, you might sure as well pass on your sickness that you have them, a cold or a flu. And because the Israelites were unclean, their work was unclean as well. Now God is always able to cleanse people of their sins, whether it was the Israelites that day or us Americans today. He is able to uh, forgive us and to cleanse us our sins if only they or we would repent. It's not enough just to engage ourselves into doing God's work. We must do it, as the 24th Psalm says, with clean hands and a pure heart. And unconfessed sin is one of the greatest obstacles in our way to being able to accomplish the Lord's work in our life. And of course, now we depend and lean upon that New Testament promise from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, many times we use that as we're trying to witness and tell somebody about the Lord, and it's not wrong to do that, but the, remembering the context of John, the apostle, he's, as he was writing this, he was not writing this to lost people, he was writing this to his church. He wanted his people to know that they may still sin, and when they did, they needed to confess it, and when they would confess it, then God would be faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse them from all their unrighteousness. So the third message was all about failing to confess their sins. Now the fourth and final message was preached on the very same day, December 24th, of failing to confess their sins, just as the third message. But this message was delivered personally to the governor, Zerubbabel. And this message dealt with unbelief. And that's chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. You see, because the leaders... They always need special encouragement to be able to press on and to see the Lord's work being brought to completion. Circumstances often have a way of discouraging uh, leaders because Satan is going to attack them as people and also their work. And Zerubbabel saw uh, all these things around him, all these great empires that were surrounding just this little small remnant of people who had come back to, come back to Jerusalem. And he literally feared for them and their future. But God encouraged the governor's faith, telling him 
not to fear the nations surrounding him because God was going to move and he was going to overthrow and destroy all those mighty empires. And the interesting thing about this is Zerubbabel is an Old Testament illustration of Jesus Christ. Just like Adam was a foreshadowing of who Jesus was. Just like Moses was a foreshadowing. Just like King David is a foreshadowing. Zerubbabel, the governor, is also an illustration of Jesus Christ. Because in these last verses, God calls Zerubbabel his chosen one, his signet ring. And that's speaking of the authority and the honor that God had given to him as the governor of his people and the authority that he had to be able to complete the temple. And God would also say those same things about Jesus Christ, his son, and to his son, Jesus Christ, he gave him the authority uh, to save the lost and to build the eternal temple, the people of God, the church. And today, we too can be guilty of these sins that hinder our work, just like the Israelites did back in those days, and not be able to do what the Lord wants us to do, putting ourselves ahead of God, looking back instead of looking ahead, the failure to confess our sins or unbelief to creep in. But as we read through this short little book of Haggai, you can find the wonderful promises God made to Zerubbabel, but he's making them to us today to be able to live our life in victory and in completion of the things he wants us to do. Chapter 1, verse 13, God says to Haggai and to Zerubbabel, I am with you. Chapter 2, verse 5, he says, fear not. Chapter 2, verse 19, God says, I will bless you. And in chapter 2, verse 23, he says, I have chosen you. And we can remember all these wonderful presents, uh, these, these wonderful gifts that God and promises made to us. Always remembering first, uh, Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So today, from the book of Haggai, I want to encourage you, be strong and courageous. You, you may not be a leader like Joshua taking the Israelites into the promised land. You may not be like Zerubbabel and trying to rally the people to build God's temple, but whatever work God has given you to. And if you're a, a husband and a father, then he's called you to be the spiritual leader of that house. You can complete that work because of the strength and the power that God will give you because God can and will do it through you. Anything and everything He calls you to do, He will fulfill it. And as I've been, uh, as we've done through the 12, uh, the, the 10 of these minor prophets now, I want to conclude this podcast with a song of a friend of mine named Wayne Kerr. He's actually recorded it twice. And it's called, My Prayer for You. And these words are my prayer for you for just listening to this podcast today about the minor prophet Haggai. I pray that you could have joy like you've never known. Peace and a happy home. Time to be all alone. This is my prayer, my prayer for you. Hope for a better day. Love, because it's the only way. Grandkids when you're old and gray. This is my prayer, my prayer for you that you could step into the ocean at least twice a year, that the love of a child would whisper in your ear, that God would be the center of everything you do. This is my prayer, my prayer for you. Now, our next podcast, 
will be the 11th of the 12 minor prophets, and that's Zechariah, probably the longest and the most difficult book to be able to understand. And I hope we'll, you'll join us to go through that. Now, today, if, if you've uh, heard something that you would like to ask a question about or just make a comment, you can email me at mike at risen.church. I would love to hear from you. And until I uh, get to meet up with you again on the next podcast, may God bless you and make His face to shine upon you.